Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is, what is the new normal in selling? A terrific topic. I have an outstanding expert who's going to share his thoughts today, Joe Camareri is EVP of Accenture's Mortgage Cadence. Prior to that, he was with Lender Live, and prior to Lender Live, he's with PHH Mortgage as a sales leader. Hi, Joe. Hi, how are you, Pat? Good. Well, this is a great topic, but before we get into that, why don't we talk a little bit about how did you get into mortgage banking and how did you get into managing? Oh, okay. Well, interesting story. So I actually was working in retail at the time, if anybody's from the Northeast uh, and know, remember John Wanamaker's down in Center City, Philadelphia. So I was in retail at the time and was 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 actually going through uh, the purchase of my very first home, a two-bedroom cape in the same town I was born and raised in, and became fascinated by the whole process. Was shocked by my 16% interest rate. <laughs> I just really thought that uh, you know the whole both the home buying experience and the whole process of mortgage was fascinating. So I left a career in, in retail and I joined a, a bank called up at the time called PSFS. And I started my very first job as a closer, which uh, was, was a perfect place to start because everything runs downhill to closing, right? So all the sure. ills of the, the, the previous 30 days, you know, all have to get fixed before the loan actually goes to the closing table. So it was uh, an accelerated learning a lot about the origination business. And from there, you know, I got into managing by just growing up very much like many uh, people do in the, in the mortgage business. You know, I worked my way up functionally until I was a vice president of closing and then uh, had the opportunity to, to do a bunch of things as PHH back in the day, changed their business model and started again the correspondent business and the relocation business. And that's really where I I started to get involved in, in a sales function and and really about the you know loan originations and, and business development. What was the best advice that you got when you started managing and were there books or, or, or things that you used as resources to improve managing? Uh, I'll tell you, I got, I got some great advice. I've, uh, I've been incredibly fortunate by having great mentors on the way. And you know, you have, in fact, I'm sure you know, you, you even learn things about about leaders that you've worked for that weren't so good. <laughs> sure. So I learned just as much there as, you know, those who, who were, who I thought were fantastic. The two things that stick in mind and both I came out of, you know, experience as well as, you know, being mentored is the first thing is transparency. In managing people, you know, managing adults is, is just like, you know, raising kids or managing kids in, in a classroom. They, they really do want to know the rules. They want to know what's good and what's bad and where to start and where to stop. So uh, having no ambiguity as it relates to expectations and, you know, communicate, communicate and over communicate. Okay. About what's going on, what affects their job, what success looks like. So that was the first thing. And the second thing actually, which took me a little bit, as a manager, a little bit uh, longer to learn, but probably one of the more powerful lessons is every manager wants to train and retrain their poorest performers. 
And one of the lessons I learned, it was actually from a Dale Carnegie coach back in the day, <clears throat> was that is that that's the worst thing that you can do. People typically are bottom performers. It's it's very seldom is it a lack of training. It's something else gets in the way. It's lack of motivation. It's lack of general skills. Perhaps it's lack of desire. But your real bang for your buck from a training and a development perspective is uh is is those folks who are struggling to be good or good and really helping them raise the bar where they're they're better and they're fantastic well i can't agree with you more i mean i certainly have spent the last uh over 10 20 years really at this issue so i know what you're saying and your your instructor was right so why don't we talk a little bit about what was your greatest victory in your career and then likewise what what was their greatest lesson that you learned in your career so my, my greatest victory, so a big part of my career from a sales perspective was B2B. And there was a, there was a direct bank out in the Chicago area that I, have been, I was trying to sell to for a number of years. And, I, and seven or eight years ago, I was able to get a contract from that financial institution. And my sales cycle was actually 22 years and 11 months. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a really long time. Uh, and talk about persistence. And and throughout that time, there were seven or eight leadership changes and strategy changes and name changes of that institution. But uh, but I got it. I finally got a contract signed for them. So I will say, from a B two B sales perspective. That that was clearly one of my uh, my greatest my greatest victories. Well, it's certainly a lesson in persistence. I will definitely say that <laughs> that, that should be inspirational for our listeners for sure. So the greatest, uh, I guess, on the flip side, what it, what was the greatest lesson? It sounded like working with poor performers was one of them, but were there others? Yeah. So and one of my greatest lessons was something I I, I you know I was. I used to love these self-help seminars, right? I mean, I just couldn't get enough of them as I was, I was, as my career went on. And then one of the things that was obvious is it was, it was a whole, it was a whole concept around le uh, leadership psychology mm -hmm. and about as a leader, you tend to surround yourself with people, pick people with direct reports that are like you because like goes to like, it's just a natural, it's right. just a natural human thing. Okay, and and the lesson I learned was resist that at, at all costs. When you're building up, when you're building at your team, you should surround yourself with people who are not like you, who will challenge you, who have different skill sets for you, and embrace the fact that everybody brings a different perspective and a different skill, and a and you know a different view on how should how things can move forward and and i purposely did that in one role managing over 300 sales consultants and build out that leadership team and magic happened happened so it was it was a great lesson it was a lesson i learned i put into practice and really saw really saw the value in wonderful results 
Right. Well, you're exactly right with that. And too often people do hire people just like themselves, which is obviously not a good thing. So that leads us to our topic for today. You know, what is the new normal in selling from your viewpoint? Obviously, the last six months have been somewhat dramatic for mortgage lending, especially from the standpoint that we have tremendous amount of volume, uh, but then we're now facing an issue that it's so much volume that uh, you don't really see people planning for the next year. You see a lot of the principles that they should have uh, not being there. So why don't you talk about your thoughts about what the new normal of selling is going to look like? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny because if you look at our current environment, COVID, and you think about, well, what, what, what's going to, what will happen? What will go back to normal? What will be the new normal post-COVID? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, tend to, I tend to believe that the, the sales process is, is not going to go back to the way it was. Everyone's predicted since the early 90s that the whole mortgage industry was going to go consumer direct. I mean, PHH bet the farm on it. If, if you know if you sure. if you know about that organization, and now it's taken a pandemic for the entire industry to go consumer direct. So so even your distributed retail loan officers who who you know have worked for years, okay, in a in a face to face environment and and touching base physically touching base with their referral sources and any entertainment of all of that and and all those type of things, we're now in a space where every consumer is interacting with the salesperson, whether they wanted it to or not, okay, and it's in a consumer direct way. So um, I, I, think, I think that's gonna stick. I think that, you know, especially if we remain in a COVID environment and move into a purchase money mortgage, as you know, Pat, okay, mm-hmm. call centers and purchase money mortgages tend to be oil and water, okay, but, I think life will find a way if we find ourselves in the spring home buying season, still, you know, still homebound, so to speak. You know, I think the new normal is going to be a real embracing of consumer direct. And I think there's going to be a higher embracing and adoption, both at the loan officer standpoint, as well as a consumer with the use of technology. This just may have forced us to turn the corner on what everybody's predicted since the early 90s. Well, I think you're exactly right, but I would even make the argument that in distributed retail, granted it is tasked with being face-to-face, but certainly what I saw and I still see even in 2020 is that the originators really are inside salespeople They just have a job title and responsibilities that lend itself to uh, hoping that the originator will go out, but most of the time they're not anyway. So I think you're right on with that. I guess the other thing that I would say is that when you look at Consumer Direct, for companies to jump into it, it really does lend itself to how are you going to get the leads? And this is always the issue. And So you could jump into Consumer Direct, but if you don't have a strategy for lead development, you really are not going to be successful. What's your thoughts on that? So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I'll I'll tell you, there was a there was a, a very old wise attorney told me one time he was a New York attorney that being in the leads business, like the the lower my bills and the the lending tree, being in the leads business was 
was actually like owning an ice house. He said at the time, at the time that everybody wants to ice, it's uh, it's the most expensive time to make it, and when nobody wants it, it's the cheapest. Right. <laughs> it's the cheapest time to make it. Right. So right now, right now, right, you hang out a shingle and your phone rings off the hook. There will come a time, and Consumer Direct is like the, the delivery of choice of uh, du jour right now. There'll come a time when rates go back to normal. Purchase money mortgages will be 65%. Purchasing leads will be an incredibly expensive thing to do if you're in the Consumer Direct space. But there are some very innovative models, okay, being developed out there. There are lenders who are, who are creating their own type of capabilities to, to generate leads like a low, like like the companies they buy leads from. There are there are joint ventures being put together with with online real estate firms. Okay. Um, realizing that you know we are still in a housing shortage will be quite some time, at least until that changes. You you not everyone is going to need a full blown full service realtor in order to move their home in, depending on their neighborhood. So there's some really innovative strategies, I think, taking place out there to be able to attach a call center loan officer and get them to the point of sale for purchase money mortgages. And I, I think what we're going to see moving forward is less reliance on purchasing leads, more reliance on, on investments. And how do I how do I get my call center at the point of sale? Okay, through these other various mechanisms. So would you make the argument that Consumer Direct, I mean, if you added Quicken to the numbers that we see, the Consumer Direct has already moved to being a dominant strategy within mortgage banking. But you also see this issue that, again, the hiring of loan officers and distributed has been at a rapid pace this year and, and also in some of the prior years. So we still see the traditional loan officer role uh, that is not consumer direct, um, still surviving, still doing well, uh, and still basically receiving essentially a fairly high compensation. So do you see that all coming to an end or or do you see that it's just going to realign itself and therefore move into consumer direct as the dominant model and kind of a pattern? I see it all coming to an end. But I will likely, being that I'm 58 years old, will likely not see it predominantly come to an end. So, you know, the average, and, and Pat, you and I have talked about this, the average, the average prolific loan officer and the average prolific real estate agent is in their late 50s. And this industry has not necessarily done a good job, okay, uh, partly because of the credit crisis, okay, in attracting young people to build out a distributed, re, you know, to operate as a distributed retail loan officer. So there, the the influence of those two parties will wane as that wave of mortgage industry professionals retire. So it, and my, you know, and for all intents and purposes, it will it will be replaced by consumer direct. There'll be how? When was the last time that you heard that a young real estate agent was putting floor time? in on a on a real estate floor, right? right? That's where they would meet young loan officers. None of that's happening right now, right? Like, you know, you don't wait for you don't as a as a young realtor who just got a license, you don't you don't wait in the office for somebody to come in the door. Sure. You get leads on the website. So 
I do think for the next five or six years, and until until you know at a point in time where that prolific loan officer and and real estate agent retires, they'll they'll have a a hold on the purchase money mortgage business. But I think every year that goes by, there'll be an increasing use of technology and call centers and consumer direct will start to take over market share over the next five to seven years. Well, I think you're right. Uh, I certainly see it similar to you. But when you look at, which I thought was interesting, when you look at Quicken's IPO filing that they just made, what I thought was interesting about it was that they have set their company up to actually do the really the, the lifespan of a consumer. And it does raise the question that as a single product, as a mortgage lender, and that's all you do, even when you look at Quicken, they are actually transferring and cross-selling to do auto loans and other types of products. Do you see that happening with the independent mortgage bankers or is Quicken just an anomaly? I think Quicken's an anomaly. However, you're, you're seeing that happen in other industries, okay? But, but but the same concept. So just like you see Quicken going less deep in the mortgage business, but wide with other products, right? You see an organization like SoFi, who's already deep in student loans, now going wide into the residential mortgage industry. I do think it's a strategy. I also think it's 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 the right approach. I mean, how how many cycles of business have we lived through, Pat, where an independent mortgage banker is on the big brink of bankruptcy when rates rally and drop 50 basis points and they're saved yet another day, right? Right. Um, By going wide, okay, there are some financial products as any financial institution or bank can tell you, okay, that are counter cyclical to the mortgage business, right? If you're, when the mortgage business is, is tough, okay, there's bill consolidation opportunities. There's, personal loan opportunities. So they're by by actually offering a wider view of products, okay, there is a, there's there's a way of leveling out your business. Okay. So you're always generating, you're always generating some stability as it relates to revenue. It just all depends on how savvy the mortgage banker is. Right. And whether or not they they want to they want to branch out that way to become more full, full service financial service providers versus just being residential lenders. Right. Well, that's really a great point. And it does really start at the top for sure. And I do think that that really Quicken, I think, is leading the way with a lot of those strategies. So I do think they are on point. Well, our time has flown by. Uh, what, Joe, would you say would be a couple points for our listeners today about the new normal of selling? Embracing the technology, okay, that's available today, I think is key. You know, the the adoption rate for, for some of the technologies that check your income and your bank statements and things like that, and, and your Fannie Mae, they want certainty. They're all, even, even in this environment, they're all hovering in single digits as it relates to the percentage of people. So I think, you know, embrace the technology, utilize those tools. And, you know, if I was if I was a young person in the mortgage business today, I would tend to think, I think the industry's done a great job giving very, very innovative tools to originators and at the point of sale. But I think there's a tremendous opportunity to take cost and leverage technology 
out of the back office manufacturing, and there hasn't been the same focus that's been given to the front end. Yeah, that's a really good point. And certainly both of them are really, uh, again, the same thing I would say is that the technology we've had, it's now an issue of utilizing it. And I do think one of the benefits of this latest saga this year has been that now some of the technology is being used. Well, I want to thank you, Joe, for sharing your thoughts today. And I certainly want to remind our listeners, subscribe to where you listen to your podcasts and rate today's episode. Um, you can sign up for my weekly sales tips at www.patsherlock.com. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Pat. Have a good day.